as you look around, our facility is continue, continuing to change, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to all the things that are happening. But with all of the construction uh, that is going on, uh, there is a lot of noise during the week. And sometimes the guys are, I, don't, I really don't know. Sometimes I just think they're taking hammers and banging it into stuff just to, uh, just to make noise on purpose. But it's a lot of noise, and uh, sometimes during the week when the work is going on and all the noise is going on, sometimes I just feel like I'm going stir crazy. Have you ever been in a situation where you're, there's just a banging, there's a lot of noise, and you're like, I gotta get out of here, I gotta escape this? Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about escape. Uh, over the next few weeks. And this week has definitely been a week uh, where I have felt like I just need to get away. I just need an escape. Uh, there's been a, a lot uh, that has gone on from yes, last Sunday after service, we went home and um, uh, we're getting, just doing things around the house. And uh, Griffin comes in and says, hey dad, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but there's water spewing uh, at the bottom of the garden at our house, there's water spewing out of the ground. And so from literally just uh, a couple hours after service yesterday uh, until last evening when we finished up some stuff here, it's been one thing after another just going wrong uh, this week. And it's been one of those weeks where I've just been like, oh, I've got, can I just get out of here? Have you ever had a week like that? Ever had a month like that? Ever had a, you, you with me? year. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes stuff happens in life or sometimes uh, you're in a situation and you're, you're caught in a situation and you're, you're feeling tested or you're feeling pressured or you're feeling like, oh, I, I got to get out of here. Well, we're going to talk uh, for the next few weeks about, about escaping. And, um, and the, thing about, the thing about it is, is there are times when we are in situations that, that we need to get out of we need to help to get through. And uh, we're gonna look at some times in Jesus' life where he modeled escaping certain pressures or situations that he found himself in. Because I think if there's a model that we need to look at, that model would be Jesus. And so there are a few different times in which Jesus modeled escaping or getting through pressured, high-pressured situations. And um, I, I believe that there are many of us who have, over the course of our lives, we have either consciously or unconsciously adopted escape mechanisms in our life that aren't healthy, but instead make the problem worse. I believe that there are many of us, myself included, who have escaped uh, who have embraced or adopted or have taken on patterns of thought and behavior that instead of helping me escape temptation or helping me escape pressure or helping me escape whenever life is piling up, I go into other things and those other things just get me deeper and deeper and deeper into trouble or heartache or pain. And so we're gonna look in the life of Jesus of some things that he did to escape pressures in his life. Today, we're gonna talk specifically about escaping temptation. The truth is, all of us, every one of us, from the youngest person in this room to the oldest person in this room, from the person in this room who is not a follower of Jesus to the person in this room who's been following Jesus for the longest amount of time, 
Every single one of us are subject to temptation. Jesus himself was subject to temptation. And in scripture, we see a pattern, or we see Jesus modeling for us how to overcome or deal with temptation in our life. Now, it is important to understand the source of temptation is the enemy of our soul. Let me say that again so we're all very clear. The source of temptation is the enemy of our soul. It doesn't matter what the temptation is. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if it comes in the form of another person or an opportunity. It doesn't matter if it comes from the inside, a thought or an emotion or a feeling. Ultimately, the source of temptation is the enemy because the enemy hates you and he wants to destroy you. In fact, John chapter 10 verse 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, then Jesus speaking, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I say it often from this pulpit, you have an enemy and he hates you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to do everything that he can to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He looks at you And because you were created in the image of God, he despises you and he wants to destroy you. If you think he takes a day off, you're wrong. He doesn't get the 36 holidays that we get here here in South Africa. In fact, I'm convinced that he probably works harder on those days than other days. By the course of how many of us seem to fall into temptation. Well, okay. On those holidays, that's where I was going with that, in case you were wondering. He doesn't take holidays. He doesn't take times off. He hates you. You're the target of his anger, and he wants to destroy you. He's doing everything that he can to destroy you. The Bible makes it very, very clear. And in the same way that he despised Jesus, he despises you. And in the same way that he wanted to destroy Jesus, he desires to destroy you. And because he desires to destroy you, he comes at you through temptation. Don't think that you can get above or beyond temptation. Don't think, oh, I've been a Christian for a lot of years now, so I'm beyond temptation. Jesus was God. He is God. And yet the enemy came to tempt him. So let me ask you a question. If the enemy came to tempt Jesus, who do you think you are? No, I've been, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've been a Christian for 10 years. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. In the same way that he tempted Jesus, he will tempt you, he tempts me. We're gonna learn about temptation this morning. We're gonna learn about how Jesus overcame with or dealt with the pressure of temptation. The first thing that I want you to see is this. The process of temptation is to attack vulnerability. Now we're gonna learn today from Matthew chapter four of a particular time in Jesus' life in which he was confronted with temptation. I believe that this this portion of scripture is recorded to model or to teach us how to deal with temptation in our life. The enemy, the enemy attacks or he brings temptation in the area or at a time of vulnerability. Matthew chapter four, verses one through three says this. Then Jesus 
was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. I want to let you in on a secret. God is not surprised when you are tempted. Now remember, we here at North Place, um, we learn to read the Bible in context, so we pay very close attention when we're reading Scripture. Notice that the Bible says, and let this mess with your theology a little bit, the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit to the place where he was going to be tempted. God is not surprised when you are tempted. He is not surprised when the enemy comes after you in an area of your vulnerability. And this messes with us, some of us, because we've got this pie-in-the-sky, non-biblical, theologically garbage view of God that says God would never let me deal with anything that is difficult. God is more interested in you being perfected into the image of Christ than he is interested in your comfort or happiness. God is more interested for you being transformed into the image of Christ then he is your comfort or happiness. A gospel, biblical preaching or teaching that is all about your comfort and happiness is not true. It is not the gospel. It is manipulation by the devil, which is what we're gonna talk about today, all for the purpose of causing you to fall short of the glory of God. I don't raise my children to be happy and comfortable. I raise my children to become the men and the women that God has created them to be. That means at times I participate in things that make them uncomfortable and unhappy because their happiness and comfort is less important to me than them being conformed or becoming the person they were created to be. And in fact, if I didn't love them, if I didn't love them, all I would do is try to make them comfortable and happy so that I could be comfortable and happy. But because I love them, because I love them, in fact, more than I love myself, I participate in things that make them uncomfortable and them unhappy because sometimes them being uncomfortable and unhappy is exactly what is needed to get them to the place of becoming who it is they were created to be. God, by the Holy Spirit, led Jesus into the wilderness because there was something in the wilderness for him. The Bible says that he fasted for 40 days and so he was hungry. You ever been hangry before? We've all, we've all been hangry. We've all been at that place where we're so uncomfortable. Maybe it's hunger, maybe it's tired, maybe it's so many things going wrong, whatever may be the case, we've all been at that place of physical 
discomfort, and it starts to affect everything in us. And see, the, the Bible says that the enemy came to him after 40 days. He was in the wilderness. He was isolated. He was alone. He was away from his fleshly support system. He did not have food for 40 days, and that's when the enemy pounced on him. See, temptation comes when we are vulnerable. If you want to learn how to overcome temptation, then recognize that when you are vulnerable, there are, that is the time when the enemy is going to come. Therefore, I should know when things happen to me, when I start to feel things that are in alignment with God and his word and truth, in times when I am uncomfortable, it's not God. It's the enemy amplifying my discomfort to take that opportunity to cause me to move away from who God has called me to be and what God has called me to do. God isn't surprised when we are tempted. He's aware that we are going to be tempted. And the Bible teaches us that he, he prepares us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it God's not surprised when you're tempted in fact God knows that you're going to be tempted and he's created you with the capacity to overcome the temptation you are not a victim I know everything in this world. I know everything in culture. I know everybody you talk to, every video you watch on TikTok. I know every person you encounter is just trying to get you to declare the areas in your life that you're helpless, that you're a victim because the enemy of your soul hates you so bad that he just wants to demoralize you. He wants to show you how non-powerful you are. He wants to, you to embrace that you are hopeless and helpless. And all the while, God says, not only do I know what you're going to go through, but I have already given you the capacity to make it through. I'm sorry, you may leave the church over it. I love you. I refuse to participate in the course of culture that robs you of your dignity and power by making you a victim of everybody and everything. I won't do it. I will not grow this church on the back of victim mentality. You are not a victim. You were created in the image of God. And those of you who have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The very essence and nature and character of God resides inside of you. Sir, you know you are not a victim of your sexual abuse. You don't have to be addicted to pornography. Ma'am, you are not a victim of rejection and brokenness. You don't have to be addicted to relationship after relationship after relationship you don't have to be addicted to trying to get approval here and there and there because of what happened to you in your past you are a child of God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and I know I know it will be so much easier I know it will be so much easier to participate in this mindset but it's the mindset of the enemy because he want, he hates you he wants to convince you of what you are not. And yet scripture says, this is who you are. You are an overcomer. Yeah. 
Revelation says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. This is my declaration. I am not a victim. Well, I'm a little excited today. Here's what temptation does. Temptation will present itself as slight compromises to satisfy greater concerns. Well, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in 40 days. The pressure's here, the pressure's here, the pressure's here. Well, just, just take these stones and turn them into bread. Prove that you are the son of God. Slightly compromise, slightly compromise the need to prove yourself in this situation because after all, you're hungry. It's not a big deal. Nobody else is gonna go. It's just me and you alone in this wilderness. Nobody's gonna know that you looked at that. No one's gonna know that you entertained that thought. No one's gonna know that you did this. It's not a really big deal. After all, you're hungry. Doesn't that seem more important right now? I need to eat. We all need to eat. It's not a big deal. We need to be satisfied in this moment. No one will know. See, that's what temptation does. Temptation doesn't start out of uh, you go from being happily married and everything going in your life to you're in a, a crazy affair and all. You don't go from you don't go from here to there overnight. No, it's it's those slight things. It's not living out the covenant that I've made with my eyes to not view other people in a way that I should only be viewing my spouse. It's those little glances that become lingering glances that becomes entertaining thoughts. Hello? It's slight compromises because after all, she hasn't hugged me in a week. She hasn't kissed me in a month. Maybe it's really not a big deal. Maybe I'm not getting what I deserve in this situation. Maybe it's okay that I look at this a little longer. Hello? It's the slight, small things to satisfy the aching in my flesh that I just make excuse after excuse after excuse for. And it's that one slight thing that leads to a, another slight thing that leads to another slight thing. Little foxes that spoil the vine. That's what scripture says. Matthew chapter 4 verse 3, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. That was the first level or layer of that temptation. You're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. I mean, surely you deserve some fresh bread. You are the son of God, right? You haven't eaten in 40 days, right? This is what you deserve, right? You're hungry, right? The enemy, he comes in right where you're vulnerable. And he targets that vulnerability. And he, he causes you, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big compromise. No one will know. It's a small thing. It's a small thing. It's a small thing. And then you begin to compromise. And that compromise is added to the last compromise before you know it, you find yourself going down a road and building bread factories so everybody will know you are exactly who you said you were. Jesus overcame the temptation of the enemy because he wouldn't 
entertain. He wouldn't entertain the small things that the enemy wanted him to do just to satisfy his flesh. See, the enemy of your soul is the master manipulator. It's what he does. Temptation comes comes through the form of the enemy manipulating our reality to cause us to think that it's okay to compromise our integrity, character, and identity. Manipulation is the use of deception to control the choices and direction of another person. Let me say that again. Manipulation is the use of deception. That's lies. It is the use of deception to control the choices and direction of another person. And see, here's the thing about manipulation. It's in perfect alignment with Satan, who is the father of all lies. It often presents itself with half-truths or partial information, all with the purpose to dominate the other person's will, to convince the other person to do whatever the manipulator or the liar wants them to do. It rejects their agency and it asserts itself. It robs the person of their dignity. Manipulation says to the other person, you are stupid, you are simple, you are weak, you're incapable of really understanding, and so therefore your view, your opinion, your will is less important than mine. It says my way is so much more important than your way. I will compromise my integrity and honesty to get what I want. When the enemy manipulates, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. When he came to Eve, he didn't say, he didn't say, oh Eve, yeah, just reject. He took a little bit of information and he distorted it. Just a little. Isn't that what he does? Didn't God say that you were his child? So you deserve this money. So lying to your boss to get, oh, it's not a lie. I mean, you're just, I mean, you would have done it that way. You, you will do it that way. Just saying it a little bit different to get you a little more money because you're the child of God. You're, you're favored by God, so you deserve this. Hello? Isn't she your wife? She should serve you this way. So, so just don't say it to her this way. Say it to her this way. You don't have to tell her that. Because you know if you tell her that, it's going to make her mad. Tell her this. Then you'll get what you want. Get that fresh briani just like you wanted it. Hello? Just, just distort it just a little bit. Because here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that I don't care about her dignity as the Imago Dei. I'm more important than she is. Or she's incapable of making a will. I'm denying her image of God's status. I'm saying I want what I want more than I honor who she is in the image of God. 
That's what manipulation does. Manipulation looks at you and he, and he despises that you're in the image of God and denies you your agency of being in the image of God and forces his will over your will. See, the enemy of your soul is a master manipulator. He takes and he distorts. He won't just out and he doesn't start in the beginning from out and outline. He takes a little bit of the truth and he just mixes it in. He, uh, you, didn't you love how he does it? He forms it in the form of a question. Does God really say that you can't have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did he really say you can't eat of that fruit? Jesus, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, can't you turn this stone into bread? Matthew chapter four, verses five and six. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Get this, this is what he does. For it is written, oh, now he knows the Bible. Now he knows the word. Can I let you in on something? Just because somebody quotes scripture doesn't mean they're speaking for God. In fact, some of the greatest liars in history have used the Bible to lie and manipulate people. Some of the greatest lies that have been perpetuated in human history have quoted scripture while doing it. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now all of a sudden he became someone who knows the word. He took it and just twisted the word just a little bit to manipulate, to lie. Let's call it what it is. It's a lie. The Bible says that the enemy is the father of all lies. Can I help you to understand something? When we participate in the manipulation, we are following after the pattern of the devil, not after the pattern of God. God doesn't distort or hide truth. He is all truth. And the scripture says that his spirit leads us into all truth. It doesn't hide truth. When we participate in manipulation, we participate with the process of the enemy to tempt or distort or overwhelm people to rob them of their dignity and identity. We come alongside him and we take scripture. And this is when it's so incredible. If we take scripture and we use it to force people into an activity, action, or behavior that is more about us than it is about them. God help us. I cringe every time. I love you. Hear my heart. I cringe every time I hear a parent prostitute scripture to force their child into behavior and activity that they just don't have the courage as parents to assert discipline into the lives of their children. Please stop blaming God for what you should be doing as a parent. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. When you can't have no more fluffy eggs, you can't have no more fluffy eggs. Not because the Bible, this taken out of scripture. No, 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 no. Because mommy looks at you and loves you and cares about you and knows if you keep eating fluffy eggs, you're gonna be sick. And so in your Five-year-old brain, maybe you don't understand it, but I don't need to make God the bad guy. I love you enough to say no. 
I'm just going to go back to my notes because that part y'all aren't liking very much. How often do we participate in this process of temptation? Do we go along with temptation because the stamp of the Bible has been put on top of it? How many times is God's word distorted to make excuses for or to allow activity that we know is a compromise to who he's called us to be as his people, as his image bearers. Overcoming temptation is as simple as knowing God's voice. If I know the Bible, then I know when I hear it out of context. One of my greatest concerns as a pastor is biblical and theological illiteracy. It is how often I hear people claim scripture, assert scripture, and it is completely inaccurate. It is how often I recognize and understand that people are not reading their Bibles and they do not know scripture and therefore they are not passing it on to their children and it will not be passed on to their children's children. It's how often theological concepts and truths have not been asserted in the heart of a person, written on their heart, so that they can lead other people into it. Friend, can I tell you something? The pathway to overcoming temptation is to have God's word hidden in your heart. God told his people, Let my words be written on your heart. Then you won't be overcome by the enemy. Pastor, how do I overcome temptation? Know God's word. I'm not talking about bumper stickers. I'm not talking about memes. I'm not talking about 12 second clips on TikTok. I'm talking about knowing God's word. I know this is what it says. I know this is what it means. Therefore, I know how that's applied in my life. Because I can tell you when the application is out of alignment with the character and nature of God, it is a distortion of scripture. And that's exactly what the enemy tried to do to Jesus. And yet because Jesus is the word, he said, I'm not going to play those games. Because the use of that word was scratching at his flesh, was tugging at his flesh. Instead of the truth of his identity as God, he said, I will not participate in the lie. Friend, we must become mature enough in our understanding of Scripture that when we see it or hear it or when it's written somewhere and we know it's not true about God, we know to turn away from it. I can overcome temptation if I know God's voice. I know His voice by learning His Word. I know His voice by drawing close to Him and having intimacy with Him. In fact, shameless plug, if you want to know how to hear God's voice, We just happen to have a discipleship course that starts at 5 p.m. tonight that you can come and be a part of. If you're tired of being overcome by circumstances and situation, if you're tired of the pressure crushing you, come out tonight and be here from 5 to 6.30. Pastor, you're putting a lot of pressure on us. Am I? Am I really? 
The enemy of your soul hates you. He's coming at you in every area of your life. He's doing everything he can to destroy you. Pardon me if I love you enough by challenging you to learn to hear God's voice. See, here's the thing about temptation. Temptation always comes after your identity, your purpose, and your destiny. Let me say that again. Temptation always comes. It comes after your identity. It comes after your purpose. Temptation ultimately comes after your destiny. That's what it's all about. Temptation is about leading you to a place where your identity is distorted. What did, he, what did the enemy say? He said, are you, if you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, if you're not a fake, if you're for real, then you'll be able to do this. See, here's the thing. Anything in your mind, in your emotions, in a circumstance that you face, which provokes insecurity in your identity is not from God. Oh, please hear this. I need you to hear this because some of us are stuck in this trap. We're stuck in this cycle. The enemy knows exactly where to hit us. He does it to me all the time. He hits me in the area of my insecurities. He hits me in the area of proving that I'm not a, that I'm not a fake. He hits me in the area of, of all of the places that, that I feel weak, that I feel like my identity is at stake. He comes after me in those areas because he knows he can provoke something in me if he comes after me in those areas. Anything in your life, any thought that comes into your mind any emotional response that you experience, any time another person or circumstances provokes insecurity in your identity, it is not from God. It should be like a red flag that helps you to know this is temptation. Some of us are so naive that we think temptation is only when, oh, I know I shouldn't be eating that chocolate cake. Or, or I know that I'm not supposed to lust. Or, or I know that I'm not supposed to get drunk. We've limited temptation to this narrow scope. All the while, the enemy just continues to pound us in the area of our identity over and over and over again. We walk into rooms and we're triggered. We have encounters with people and we're angry. We get into circumstances and relationship and we can't be the body of Christ. We can't love for each other. We can't learn from one another. We can't be humble with each other because we're so insecure. We can't grow, we can't be humble because we're so insecure because the enemy just keeps pounding us in the area of our identity. Anywhere in your life that pounds you in the area of your identity, it's not from God, it's temptation. And as scripture teaches us, we have to take those thoughts captive. Temptation comes after your purpose. See, here's, here's what the devil hates. He hates that God created you in his image, and he said to you, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion over the earth. He doesn't want you to do that. 
He doesn't want you to be fruitful. He doesn't want you to multiply. He doesn't want you to take dominion. And so he comes after that purpose in your life. Anything that he can do to cut off fruitfulness, anything that he can do to cut off your authority, he's gonna come after that. So he's gonna cause you to compromise and then ultimately he's going to expose you so people don't trust you so you have no authority. He's gonna, he's gonna come after your identity in those secret places and those secret thoughts. He's gonna cause you to, to come into concert and alignment with his manipulation and then you begin to distribute, then you begin to demonstrate manipulation also. Ultimately, you'll be exposed and then people will say, I can't trust him and then if I can't trust him, then he has no authority. He cuts you off from your purpose. That's what he wants to do. He wants to expose you so that you cannot enter into all God has for you. He hates your destiny. And can I tell you, there are no shortcuts to your destiny. See, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to take a shortcut to fill your belly. He wants you to take a shortcut to fill that void inside of you where your identity circle is empty. He wants you to take a shortcut to feeling important, to feeling valuable, to feeling validated. He wants you to take a shortcut to that place. He wants you to take a shortcut to that destiny that God has for you. Matthew chapter four, verses eight to 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Did you catch that? And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Ultimately, the temptation was this. Let me give you a shortcut to your destiny. There are no shortcuts. You can't get past the hard conversations. You can't get past the wilderness. You can't get past the 40 days of hunger. You can't get past the cross. You can't get past the place of sacrifice. There are no shortcuts to your destiny. Jesus said, if any man's gonna come after me, he must deny himself. Lay down his life, pick up his cross. There are no shortcuts to your identity. And the enemy of your soul wants you to take the shortcut, the shortcut to your happiness, the shortcut to your wealth, the shortcut to your fulfillment, the shortcut to a full belly, the shortcut to a, a, a full identity, the shortcut to a full life. Jesus said, I will not participate in it because that will not get me, that will not get me to my destiny. Jesus knew that if he compromised his identity as God, if he compromised his identity by just, just bow your knee for a moment, if he compromised his identity just for a moment, that he was giving up his destiny as the redeemer of all men. Do you realize that if Jesus had just in that moment, it would have invalidated the very thing that we celebrated last weekend? Do you get it? That if Jesus would have just had a piece of bread, it would have invalidated what we celebrated last weekend. None of us would be here. 
And the millions of people who have been transformed, whose lives have been saved, none of them, none of them would have experienced redemption if Jesus would have just had one piece of bread. It's just one piece of bread. It's no big deal after all if you really are the son of God. Hello. Jesus said, I will not participate because I will not give up my destiny. James chapter four, verse seven says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Some of us have to learn to resist. I did, I did resist, but, but, but then, you know, I thought about this scripture and it said this. And so maybe that means this. And, and then, you know, I heard this one preacher say this. And so maybe this, I, I did resist, but. Hello? 40 days, no food, nothing. I still won't, still won't give up. Who I am, what I am. I will not allow you to draw me into a place of compromise. Temptation is all about being lured into and drawn into a place of compromise. And it looks simple and it feels satisfying. And yet what it does is violate our identity, our purpose, and our destiny. Jesus demonstrated to us how to respond to temptation. I will not entertain you, devil. I will not entertain this. I will resist. What do I resist, pastor? I resist anything that is luring me or drawing me into a place that violates my identity, that diverts me from my purpose, and that will rob me from my destiny. Jesus set the pattern. This is how you respond to the pressure of temptation. This is how you escape.